Welcome to the How I Built My Business podcast, where we discuss the life-changing highs and comical lows of starting your own business. This is a support group for self-diagnosed entrepreneurs who'd rather captain a potentially sinking ship than work the oars on someone else's boat. Whether you're an established entrepreneur or an aspiring cubicle escape artist, you've come to the right place. This podcast is brought to you by Carlson O'Connell Commercial Real Estate. We help business owners purchase or lease commercial real estate. Our specialty is helping commercial tenants become commercial real estate owners. Need inspiration? Take your monthly rent and multiply it by the number of months left in your career. If you don't like that number, give us a call. But enough about us, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the How I Built My Business podcast. I am Dave Carlson, your host. Uh, so excited to have our guest here is a friend of mine, Mr. Chris Peacock. He is the founder and CEO of Aqua Oso. He's going to tell us all about how he built his business um, from going from a startup to getting funded uh, to you know adding team members. It's a really exciting story and I'm very, very excited to have him on today. Uh, Chris, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. I'm really excited about being here today. Absolutely. And as we discussed, you are uh, having a little, uh, you, you're, you're, you're working in Tahoe right now, which is much smarter than me working in Sacramento. I think uh, <laughs> temperature wise, you are in a much, much better place. So clearly you're smarter than me already. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know about that, but it certainly is nice up here right now. I, I have no complaints about getting out of the Sacramento heat and hanging out in Tahoe for a couple of weeks. That is great. No, that's awesome. It sounds like you might have family up there too. Yeah, my family's up here. Uh, we have friends coming to visit here in a little bit. So it's good times for all. You know, we've, we're on the water. We're actually down in the Keys. So we've got the little kayak. We've got the fishing poles. We're, uh, we're, ready, to, we're ready to go. Although I'm, I am working every day, so I don't get to spend every day on the water. I, I think I think that kind of comes with the role, right? You're you're working, sure and your family is uh, is kayaking and fishing. That's uh, that's right. That's right. It's, uh, you're 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 a good man. That's great. Awesome. Well, uh, one one way that we like to start this podcast is we ask the question: uh, Describe the worst job you've ever had without naming the employer, so we don't get sued. Yeah, uh, we don't want any lawsuits. I've certainly had some <laughs> bad jobs. I think like a lot of people, or, or, well, not even early mid career, I was working for a company that was just toxic in, in nature. Um, everyone got yelled at all the time, myself included. Uh, we got yelled at you know, 11 o'clock at night, we would get phone calls from folks. So it was, just, it was just silly and ridiculous and very unhealthy. And it's one of the things as I've been building Aqua. So I, I, I look back on those bad experiences and think about ways in which we can build the business to avoid any of that toxic behavior. So I don't know if I can say this on your, your podcast, but that, that moment in time, that particular experience led us to create an Aqua, so the no assholes policy. Um, we, we don't hire assholes as part of our, our core values. And I would expect you probably extend or starting to extend the no asshole policy to your clients too, because sometimes you can have the greatest team in the entire world. And if you have a client that's going to call you up and yell at you at 11 PM and expect you to take that phone call, that's its own problem. For sure. We, we are really fortunate of the 30 customers we have. None of them are assholes. They're all very wonderful, amazing people. Uh, so we've, we've been lucky. We get to work with some of the, the brightest minds in, in the space, which is really cool. That's great. And, you know, I think you can obviously, sometimes you can see them coming from a distance and sometimes, you know, people can put on a very polite, nice face. And then as the deal kind of ticks up, you start to see a little of their true color show. 
Uh, and, sure. and you know, that could be tough because it's, it's, I think a lot of people can seem very, very polite in the first call. You know, when, when you guys take on clients, do you vet them pretty thoroughly or are, are you kind of at the, at the point where right now you're trying to grow your market share and you have to sort of take the opportunity where you can get it? Both, you know, we're, we're software as a service company. Um, so we sell software, we sell analytics, very different than in the consulting space where I spent a large part of my career. Um, you know, selling billable hours is very different types of engagement with people than selling software. Um, so we, we do, we, Aquoso is a public benefit corporation. Our intent is to do good in the world while making a profit, which means that at times, um, you know, we have to say no to certain things and building certain pieces of tech because we are trying to build ethical technology um, and, and understand the, the negative implications of that. So we certainly look at the customer base and how they're using our technology and really aim towards them using the tech to, to do good in the world as well and make better decisions. Beautiful. So let's take a quick sec for you to give us at the most basic level, what you guys do, what problem you solve. That way our listeners can kind of have that in the back of their mind while they're thinking about you growing it. Yeah, for sure. So Aquoso is a water risk analytics company. Um, we're software as a service. We're cloud-based. Uh, we sell our software as a subscription model. 80% uh, of our customers are financial institutions. So banks, the other 10% of our customers are um, large food brands that are national and then also agricultural investors. Uh, we primarily work in the agricultural space, but what we really do is we help organizations understand the impacts of water risk on their operations. And over the last year, we've also been helping organizations better manage their data geospatially. So being able to visualize their data on a map, contextualized with the things that are going on um, environmentally around us from a climate perspective, water issues from water quality, water supply, but also potential wildfire issues um, as they all impact our customers' portfolios of loans and investments. Got it. And so you are basically making this information more visible, easier to comprehend, more organized for them to be able to evaluate risk in regard to water. It, exactly. We aggregate thousands of data sets into a map-based platform. Uh, we then layer that data on top of our customers' data so that they can have better insights into what's going on. Um, across their entire portfolio. Very cool. I, I was looking at your website. It looks like you guys are in a lot of different states. Uh, you know, tell us about where you're at now, where you're trying to grow. Is there anywhere that you're planning to not operate or are you planning to go nationwide? Yeah, our ultimate vision is to be able to provide water risk analytics across multiple industries around the globe. Um, so we, we are moving towards global scale. We're a venture-backed company. Uh, we have high, high, growth, high, high aims for growth. Uh, versus some of the other business models that I've had in the past where I've been doing consulting work. Um, very different growth model indeed. Um, but our, our aim is to be global in scale in the next decade. We started, as you know, in California. California was our home base. Um, my co-founder is a third generation farmer out of the Central Valley. I've been working in the water sector for 20 years. Um, so we started in California. Uh, we started with a different business model, by the way. We started out doing water markets. And then we pivoted the company into what we do today. Um, so there, there's hope, there's hope for change. You know, I think one of the lessons we've learned along the way is embrace the change and figure out what the best path forward really is and really get a good understanding of what the market can support. We're huge fans of water markets. We think they're gonna be awesome. Um, it just wasn't for us at the time. The timing was definitely wrong um, in terms of what we were trying to build. So we pivoted into what we're doing today with a number of commercial lenders in California. Uh, today, though, we've, we've expanded. We're in multiple states. So we're in Washington, we're in Oregon, 
Uh, we're in Montana. We're getting ready to open up Colorado, Kansas, and Arizona as well. Wow. Um, and I think like a lot of companies, our team is now fully distributed as well. We're, we're located all over North America. That is awesome. Okay. It's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I remember when we first started talking, I was thinking of what you guys did as uh, an exchange platform for water rights. And obviously it sounds like, you know, what you're doing now is really a tool for, for lenders to evaluate, you know, the, the water situation of a piece of land that they might lend on. Yep, exactly. Yeah, we originally started as water markets when you and I first met, uh, and I had a team of I think three at the time. Um, yeah, we were we were building a water market trading platform, which was really cool. We had users, we had software, we had really good support behind it, but we realized the timing just wasn't right, and it wasn't going to scale in the time that we needed. So mid 2018, we made a pivot into what we're doing today, which is this water risk analytics with a focus on banks versus um, just the farmer side. It sounds like really, in a sense, you saw a need and you're filling it. I mean, how how would a lender do what you guys do manually versus using your software? Yeah, they, they pick up the phone, they manually call water districts. Um, historically, a lot of our, our lending customers, um, they've got their own spreadsheets, they've got, you know, in the hall who may have some expertise in a certain region that they would ask questions of. Um, but like a lot of industries, there's folks that are retiring. So we're starting to lose a lot of knowledge in the organizations. Um, with Sigma, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, things got even more complicated in terms of understanding what water was available where. So by aggregating all of these disparate data sets into a single platform, we can help our customers save time and money on the research side, but also close loans faster. Um, we have customers and case studies where our customers have been closing loans in half the time than traditionally they would because they don't spend as much time having to look for the information to get to the underwriter. That makes complete sense. Yeah, I mean, what I love about what you guys are doing is it's so focused and it solves such an obvious problem. I think that sometimes someone tells you what they do and it's so vague and you really don't actually understand what the solution is. But for you, after talking to you for 30 seconds, I understand exactly what is being solved. Yeah, it's a super interesting space that nobody was solving in. Um, and it's, it's really niche, right? It's super small. Um, so from a, a VC standpoint, without seeing the bigger picture, it's really hard to kind of contextualize how large this thing can be and how large the problem can be. Because as we look at portfolio level risk and as we look at the water risk, we're uncovering all of the downstream impacts of that risk, whether it be you know, in, in increased wildfires, whether it be ground subsidence in certain areas because of the, the groundwater being drawn down so fast, like in the Central Valley, a foot a day, that's pretty incredible. Um, and then as the ground subsides, infrastructure starts to break, we lose capacity to store groundwater. Um, you have regulatory pressure to reduce how much water is available from a groundwater perspective. Um, so the impacts are pretty extensive um, and the economic losses associated with those impacts are just mind boggling, um, which is why a lot of our customers are, are continuing to still find us and, and build the platform with us and expand with us in the new states as we continue to grow. So you alluded to the fact that you have some more employees now, you know, what's your headcount at? Yeah, we are at 16 employees today. Wow. Um, so we've more than doubled in the last year. Um, part of that was, was helped by the fact that we raised a $2 million seed around this year. Um, but it also goes to the fact that our customer base continues to grow as well. So our revenue numbers um, continue to increase at a pretty good clip. Um, we did great last year, even, even given the impacts of COVID, our revenue numbers increased uh, more than doubled. 
we're on a really good trajectory as we continue to build the business and we continue to look for just super smart people that want to join the team and, and help us grow. I think we doubled in size this last year across our sales team, across our marketing team, across our engineering team and our product team, um, which includes our data team who are just like super awesome water and environmental data nerds that really love the work that we're doing. Congratulations. That is exciting. We talked a little bit about kind of the pivot you made in 2018, but talk to us a little bit about how this went from being an idea with uh, you know you and a couple people to where you are now. I mean, you know, what is that process like? Super messy, super chaotic, <laughs> very uncomfortable, <laughs> painful at times. Uh, I, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of startup founders, there were plenty of moments where I was second guessing what we were doing, um, where I questioned whether this thing could grow or could scale. Um, and until you have your first few customers, it's really hard. It's really hard to tell. So when we first started the company, I had kind of three major objectives in mind. One was create generational wealth, thus kind of the VC backed model of building a SaaS platform. The second was building a team of impact change makers. Um, so a leadership team that can make an impact on the world inside and also outside of Aqua. So at the end of the day, and then of course, make an impact on the world. Um, and the way we're making an impact on the world is through building a future where water and our relationship to water is much more resilient than it is today. So that was the original objective. And then I had to figure out a business to go support that. So as I mentioned, the original business was water markets. Um, I had started out 20 years ago buying, selling, trading water rights in Arizona. So I was already familiar with market mechanics. We kind of figured like by, by aggregating data and by better surfacing the value of water and transactions around water, we can enable smarter water markets. Um, like I said, we had, we had some good success. We had some good customers in a startup. The goal is to test and to iterate and then to test again. Um, so we constantly were going through that process. And what we learned, and we didn't like it at first, was that nobody wanted to pay for the software. Everybody either wanted it for free or they wanted it to be more like a Craigslist for water, which is interesting, um, but it's not a scale up software company. It's hard to build a real, a real model around that. And the markets were so fragmented and still are that building one piece of software to solve all of those problems was almost impossible. Um, I think over time, it'll get easier. I think there will be some software platforms for water trading and we're starting to see a few emerge. We were just a few years too early um, and being too early or too late is just as bad as being wrong in general. So we were, we were really fortunate though. We were having conversations with banks at the same time and banks kept asking us the same question around, can you help us understand the impacts of water risk on our loans? And we heard it enough times. And I think this is like a really important lesson for anyone who wants to be a founder or is a founder, listening to the customers and following the customers, not following where you want to go. So it was a big shift for us because it meant we had to pivot the company. We had to change our tech stack. We had to change our data. We had to change the business model. And I'm really glad we did, of course, because now we're, we found a nice slipstream to continue growing the business around. But I think that's like a really important lesson for, for all entrepreneurs, listen to the market and follow the customers, especially early on. Um, you know, the second round of, of the company, as we moved into water risk analytics, we had, we had half a dozen customers write us a check before we built anything. So it was a real testament to there being clear market need for what we were building. And over time, we, we bootstrapped the company early on. We raised a little friends and family money. And we used that capital 
alongside our customers' capital. So our customers were paying us to build things along the way. And for me, at least, and my co-founder, it was a really nice way to build the business um, and really understand what the market wanted and needed. You know, the clearest indicator of will the market buy it is them writing you a check. So we we built the business really early on um, in a good financial position because our customers were writing us checks early on. As we continued to grow and we started to uncover additional needs by listening to our customers and building more and more technology to support that, we were also able to uncover areas where we could start to see where the market was going and where future things would start, start coming out. So now we're able to invest a bit more in kind of the future looking piece of the platform um, with our customer support so that we can help our customers kind of future-proof their business as well. Um, so all of that has helped us raise the money that we raised over the last couple of years. But it's it's definitely a, a, a trying and taxing endeavor. As you know, as you know, you, you've got your own company and finding customers and building relationships, it's, it's a lot of work. Absolutely. I think that is such great advice. And it seems like taking a step back really your time spent building the the water exchange almost was R&D for where you are now. You know, it, 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 if you hadn't have done that, you wouldn't have figured out where the real demand was, which is where you ended up. That's such an interesting perspective. Totally, totally right. And we went through, we went through the Techstars sustainability program with the Nature Conservancy. And one of the things that they taught us early on was keep the aperture wide, look for those signals in the market that might not be directly in your line of sight, but what are the things that are adjacent to what you're doing? And I really keep that in mind. As CEO, I have to take a step back from the business on a very regular basis to one, get everyone aligned and make sure we're all moving in the right direction, but also to contextualize what we're doing in the broader market. You know, Fortunately, we've got some really good tailwinds right now with some of the new regulations coming into play, with the new administration in play, with all of the discussion around climate. That's really helping us um, as we continue to fortify our working relationships in the financial sector and helping the financial sector understand what all of those regulations really mean to them and ways in which they can better manage their own business in the, in that context. Awesome. Very cool. Well, you know, going back to the process of, of building your business, um, you know, what was one of the hardest things of starting? Hardest things of starting one is just finding really great team members. Um, early on, finding team members that are willing to take the risk, who are willing to, to tackle the challenge, who are willing to commit to it longer term and willing to do it for way below market, market pay, um, if not for free in exchange for stock. That's like finding the talent and the people to work with, I think is, is the hardest part. Um, once you find the talent to work with, it's easier to go to market and have conversations because what you find, I think, like like anyone who's in a sales role knows this, you get a lot of no's, like a lot of no's. And your job is to uncover the one or two nuggets of yeses, but also uncover why why are there so many no's? What, what's behind the no? What is the thing that that no really needs in order to, to be successful? So we've been able to turn a lot of no's into yeses, um, but it's because we have a great team. And so I think the number one thing is, is being able to have the right team in place. And before having the right team, it's having, as, as a sole founder, like I was for the first nine months or so before I met Cameron, it's having the mindset um, because it's very much a mental game, building a business and being in a good state of mind and doing those things um, that support you and, and keep you healthy, whether it be yoga or meditation or bike riding or paddle boarding or whatever it is, 
um, making sure that those things that support you and your health and your mental health remain in place because it's easy to let those things drop um, when you get really busy, right? Like, I'm sure you've experienced it. You, you get into something and a month goes by and you realize you haven't worked out or you haven't spent time with friends, um, you know, or you're eating too much pizza or whatever the vice is. So, you know, constantly looking at ways in which to support yourself early on, I think is really, really important. And I've got a wonderful wife who supported me. My family has supported me, even though they thought I was crazy at times going down, going down this path, because it is hard. It's not easy. It's, it's mentally taxing. It's financially taxing. Um, it will push you every boundary essentially that, that you have. Um, so I think, I think those are kind of the two most important pieces, you know, get, get, get your mental state in order, understand that it's a long road and it's hard and like, just, just learn from the market. And then second, build a really awesome team around you, um, who are smarter than you. Like, my team is definitely way smarter, way, way smarter than I am. Um, I but I'm super fortunate to have friend, them here. But, uh, that's just me. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe a half of a way, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be. Oh no, it's, it's many ways. We've got some great, great team members. That's awesome. I, I find with my with my business partner that I mean, like you said, there's there's good days and bad days. And I find sometimes we we almost alternate of, you know, one of us is just really having a tough day. The other one is like, okay, we got this going for us, it's positive. This this is going great. And I'm sure in a sense, you know, you and Cameron probably had to do that from time to time where one of you sort of needed the pep talk. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a pep talk. Sometimes it's just a swift kick in the ass, right? Like, <laughs> it's, you, you can only sulk for so long before you got to get up and, and go do it again. And I think like Cameron and I have found a really good way of doing that. And we've spent a lot of time working on that relationship and how we can support each other and continue to support each other um, as we grow as individuals as well. Because building a business also means that you're, you're growing yourself and constantly learning. Um, which, which can be hard for some people. Some people don't want to learn. And if you're one of those people who don't want to learn, don't start a business for sure. <laughs> that, that, that should be the takeaway of the entire episode. That should just be like a one page business book. It just says, if you don't want to learn, don't start a business. Cause that is yeah. the truest thing. I mean, God, every single day you learn something new and a lot of times you don't want to learn it, but uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, one of the hardest parts is when he and I and other members of the team are all down at the same time. That takes, that takes even more work to get out of that funk. Um, you know, we've, we've put some mechanisms in place so that we can identify it early on. We do daily check-ins with the team and we've got a color, color scheme of red, yellow, green, just a really quick, where are you at? And if everyone is showing up as like yellow or red, it's just like an automatic reminder of, okay, let's sit down, let's have a conversation. Let's see what's going on. Um, and see if it's a systematic thing or if it's something going on in someone's personal life. But if three, four, five, six team members out of 15 that are checking in, in like this yellow red stage, it's probably an indicator that there's something in the business that's going on that needs to be addressed. So, so I think so it's important to, to build those mechanisms into just the daily workflows. That is fascinating to me. So your, your team members can give you a red, yellow, or green on your check-in and they feel comfortable telling you that they're out of red. I mean, it, it, could it be for personal totally. reasons or is it always work-related? No, it's, it's, it could be for personal, like we're humans, right? We're all working from home. We all have distractions. Like we were talking about dogs barking in the background, kids running through, like who knows what's going on, right? In, in the background, um, maybe someone's parent is, has passed away or maybe someone's in like a really tough time with, with their partner. That all bleeds into work. 
um, especially now with everyone remote working from home, right? There is no separation between work and home and life. And in startup land and in any entrepreneurship, in any entrepreneurial endeavor, there's there's a bleeding, right? There is no there's no thing, there's no reality called called balance, right? It's it's we're we're trying to like juggle the right thing at the right time. The red, yellow, green could be personal or professional. And we've had people show up that are like super red per- personally and super green professionally. Like everything's going great on the professional side. The meetings are going the way they want. The product's being built. Customers are doing what we want. They're buying stuff. And then personally, maybe something's just going haywire. So I think it's, it's important that the team understand how to, how to interact with everyone because we are all human at the end of the day. So I, I love this idea and, and I'm, I'm going to dig a little deeper on it. So essentially, does each team member say, this is my color professionally, this is my color personally, or do they just give a color for the day and then you figure out why? It's flexible. Like this, this is one of those things where the broad process is, you know, green means I'm fully present, I'm doing good, life is good, everything's working the way it's supposed to. Yellow is, yeah, I'm kind of in a funk. I might not be totally here. Maybe I'm checking my email because I'm waiting for something really important and I've got some distractions going on. Red is like, something's on fire, the house is burning down, the tech stack is broken, whatever it is, right? Like, it, it, But we do that on a very regular basis and everyone feels very comfortable because there's, there's no judgment behind it. It's more of a, how can we help you get out of that funk or what can we do to support you as you go through it? Do you need some time off? Um, or if you're super green, share with us why, like, what are you so excited about? And let's celebrate together if there was like a recent win. It's just part of our culture. We, we started it super early on um, with just Cameron and I. Actually, I, I started it by myself when I started the company <laughs> once a week. I would like do this check-in and I would write down um, just as part of like my own self-reflection. And then I would do it with Cameron. And then every t- new team member that comes on board, we do it. And I even do it with my board. You know, there's, there's only two of us on the board right now, but during every board meeting, we do a check-in as well. So we've embedded it into our daily operating process and as part of the culture. That is absolutely brilliant. And and so basically you're going to say, I'm, you know, I'm a yellow today and this is why, or do you just say your color and then sometimes people follow up and sometimes people don't? This is where it gets super flexible. Um, you know, there's, and, and the funny thing is we're flexible on colors too. It's not rigid. Some people will be grello. We get a lot of grellos. Um, <laughs> we get a lot of oranges. We get some polka dots. So there, there's different color schemes that come up and it, it's really up to the individual if they want to share why they are that certain color or not. Um, as, as a leader, as a, as a manager, as the CEO, if I hear someone is in like this orange red day over day over day, week over week over week, that, that kind of prompts a discussion of, and if we're not hearing about why, that'll prompt kind of a one-on-one discussion about what what's actually going on. What do we need to work through? Anything I can help out with? I absolutely love that. And I'm sure your employees really appreciate being heard, being able to express themselves. And it, it allows you to kind of get a little more insight of like, hey, maybe the work product's good, but how are they doing behind that? I, I absolutely love yep. that process. Is that something that you read somewhere or something you just kind of came up with? Yeah, it's, I, I've got an executive coach that I've been working with for a long time. Um, she originally introduced me to the idea in a prior company that I was working with her on. We introduced it to the team in our very first strategic planning retreat when there were four of us. And we've just, we've kept it ever since. Um, even at Techstars, when we went through that program, they used a similar model of check-in red, yellow, green. So it's, it's, it's been constantly reinforced by cohort companies and, and other groups that we work with as well. 
That is awesome. Okay, great. Well, we talked about some of the tough things, uh, you know, about starting your company. Um, what's something you're particularly proud of? I, I'll go back to the team, just super proud of the team that we've been able to build. Um, you know, we've, we've got exceptional people on the team who are passionate about what they do. Um, you know, early on, you hire for more general skills, the, the ability to work across the company. Now we're starting to hire a bit more T-shaped people, right? People that can work across the company and maybe have some specialty, but can still support others across the organization. So I'm really proud of the culture that we've built. Um, and, and how the team continues to not just reinforce the culture, but build upon it. Um, everybody in the team, at the end of the day, we're, we're a flat organization. So everyone has access to everybody to solve problems. There is no hierarchy in terms of you need to talk to one person in order to get to the next person. So everyone is really contributing at a high level because I think in part because of the culture that we've built. So that's one of the things I'm, I'm most pleased with. Of course, you know, raising money is hard. I'm glad we've been able to raise money to build the business, to support the business, that we've had kind of that external validation of, okay, this is something that can be bigger than it is today and really supporting us on that path. Um, but at the end of the day, like, we have customers that love us. We have customers that have been with us from day one. We've had customers that have churned, that have left the company and then come back six months later because they couldn't live without us. We get what we call love notes on a pretty regular basis from our customers, just out of the blue, not prompted, where they basically say, this is the best thing ever. I don't know what I would do without you. Thank you for your support. And like that truly is a testament to the company and the culture that we've been building and really putting a focus on making sure our customers have something in their hands that they love and that they can use. And when there is feedback, we, we work on that feedback. We don't, we don't ignore it. Awesome. Great. That, that is really, really impressive. Happy to hear that. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our very important and high paying sponsor. After that, we're going to ask some, uh, some fun random questions of Chris and we're going to let him get on his way. So uh, we'll be right back. Attention business owners. Do you need help renting office space or buying a commercial building? Carlson O'Connell Commercial Real Estate is your free expert consultant. They do all the legwork and research so you can focus on running your business. For additional tips and strategies, also check out Commercial Real Estate Explained on YouTube. It's a channel dedicated to helping business owners make informed decisions about their commercial real estate. Again, that's Commercial Real Estate Explained with a link in the show notes. Okay, we are back. This is Dave Carlson with the How I Built My Business podcast. My friend Chris Peacock is here. He is the founder, founder and CEO of Aqua Oso. He's talked all about their business, how he built it. Now we're just going to get into some fun random questions about Chris the guy. So uh, Chris, first question we ask, uh, who is your favorite sports team? You only get one. Oh, that's super easy. Uh, I'm not a huge sports fan, so I don't have any allegiance to anyone anywhere. Uh, if, if anything, the one that had the most impact on me was the Harlem Globetrotters. I saw them when I was a kid, and that was super cool. But uh, yeah, I never really got into sports and, and into sport teams, so I, I'm pretty agnostic, and I will support whoever my, my friends are supporting at that point in time. That is awesome. Yeah, my dad took me to see the Harlem Globetrotters back in the day. It was so much fun. You know, it would be a really epic, right? Like so much fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, so much fun. You know, it'd be a hilarious answer to that question of who your favorite sports team is like whoever always loses to the Harlem Globetrotters. And are they like the senators <laughs> or something like that? Like, what if that was your yeah, favorite yeah. team? And just like every time you go see them, you're like, I think they're going to win this time. Like, I'm feeling good about they're, it. They're finally, what is it, 30, 40? How long have the Globetrotters been, been doing their thing? It's been a while. 
for oh, a really long uh, time. Really long time. Yeah. The uh, sports complex I used to work at in Folsom, um, one the guy that ran the basketball there was a Harlem Globetrotter. So that he used to do like little Harlem Globetrotter basketball camps and nice, super fun. But I, I would assume rooting for whatever team always loses to the Globetrotters is probably a little bit like being a Kings fan where you just go in and you're just like, I'm feeling good <laughs> this year. This is it. I'm going to do it. And then, you know, the Lakers or the Globetrotters yeah, you know, or the Warriors or whoever's trying kudos, to Kudos to the Sacramento crew for, for the support. You know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive how strong that support system is there. With, with everything that you've got going on and building your business, I think it's good that you haven't piled that on top of it. That's just unnecessary. Yeah, ex exactly. It, it's just one more stressor that, that I don't need in my life. <laughs> exactly. You're a smart man. Very smart man. But uh, very cool. So how about a good book you've read or listened to recently? Yeah. Um, so I'm reading one right now that's the super old one. Um, and I've actually never read it. I've had a lot of folks like point to it. I think a lot of my coaching sessions have always alluded to it. There's a lot of work that's been done that you can see came out of it, which is I think in Grill Rich. Or was it, yeah, Think and Grow Rich, right? Napoleon Hill. Um, super great book. I, at the, the cabin we're staying at in Tahoe, they had it on the shelf. So I picked it up finally and started reading it. It's, it's been great. I really, I really am enjoying it. It's so much fun to find a book that you've heard enough times and then you finally get around to reading it. You're like, oh yeah, it turns out all those people that recommended that to me were right. Like, they were right. Yeah. It's a, have you read it? Have you ever read that book? I have not read it yet, but I, obviously that's on the list. That's one thing I love about this, this podcast is I get recommendations from, from folks and there's only so many hours in the day, but I love audible. So I can kind of listen to things as I'm driving to appointments. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a great one to check out. And it's just continuing education for what we do. It's, it's important yeah. to get at someone else's perspective. For sure. For sure. And then, you know, on the, on the fun side, we've been driving around a lot. I think we did 2,800 miles in the last couple months, um, driving around to like high school graduations and, and whatnot. So we listen to a lot of John Grisham books on the road. Um, those are all, all always great, just super easy, fun to listen to, really engaging. Um, I'm a big fan of, of John Grisham for just kind of checking out and enjoying, enjoying some downtime. Uh, John Grisham just he just like figured out the formula of what people enjoy and he just you know he stomps it every time I, I love sure. John Grisham it's yep. I, I'm totally with you you know it's like the, there's a reason he's so popular and it's just kind of yep. like so he's a little bit of like you know like the, the ACDC of, uh, of of authors and that like he got the formula you know it's it's a rock and roll song about rock and roll and he just like keeps doing it you know I feel like he figured it out yeah for sure that's awesome. Well, on the subject of ACDC, uh, what's the last song you listened to? Feel free to lie. Oh, the last song I listened to. Ooh, hopefully nobody calls me out on this, but I'm a huge fan of Taylor Swift's last couple of albums. Hey. Um, I just, we, we just got a record player because I've got a lot of my, my parents' old, old albums. And my son is, my oldest son, he's been getting into records. So I finally got a record player and we bought Folklore on on vinyl and it's great i love it it's like just super chill super awesome fully respect her as a businesswoman as well she's just absolutely incredible and i think awesome lessons learned oh extremely extremely sharp she writes her own songs i mean what's what's there not to like i'm totally yeah. with you okay very cool well uh the last question i am going to ask is <clears throat> is there anything in particular you want to promote or tell us about the business or get out there uh that i haven't given you a chance to talk about I think the, the biggest thing for this audience is a couple of things. Um, one, I'm a huge fan of anyone who's trying to start a business. I'm happy to provide feedback or advice or just listen to folks. So 
folks can, are, are more than welcome to reach out to me. Um, I've got a super busy schedule like anyone, but I always try to make time to help others who are on this entrepreneurial journey as well. So I, th I guess that's kind of the first opening of, I wanna be able to give back to the broader community um, and help help folks as they navigate this, this land. So that's number one. Number two, we are always on the lookout for super awesome people to join the team. So we're looking for software developers. We're looking for folks on the marketing side. We're looking for folks who get data and want to do data analytics in this space. So if there's anyone out there listening that wants to wants to join a super cool public benefit corporation that's trying to do some good in the world with awesome customers, I'd love to hear from them as well. Perfect. And where do they find you? Uh, they can find me at, at my email, chris at aquoso.com. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. I haven't, I haven't hidden quite yet from, from the rest of the world. You're, you're a brave man. I love it. I I'm the same way. I have, <laughs> I have all my contact info out there just because, you know, being easy to reach and picking up the phone is a huge part of my job, but, uh, for sure. I definitely understand people when they get to a certain level where they don't want quite that exposure. Yep. And the third, I guess there's three things. The third thing would be if you're in, you know, if, if you're looking for some real estate, call Dave. Dave is <laughs> awesome. I've worked with Dave in the past and I've always had just an awesome experience. I really appreciate that, Chris. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Absolutely fascinating interview. This is one of those ones that I just had to cut myself off instead of asking the next 10 questions I wanted to, but uh, uh, really, really appreciate your time and uh, congratulations on your success so far and so excited to see what you guys do next. Thanks, Dave. I really appreciate it. And, and thanks for putting this together. I think this is a great addition to the broader community. Awesome, man. All right. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You too, Dave. Thank you again for tuning in to How I Built My Business with Dave Carlson. If it wasn't for you and our guests, I'd just be talking to myself. Until next time, stay happy and support local businesses. Attention business owners. Do you need help renting office space or buying a commercial building? Carlson O'Connell Commercial Real Estate is your free expert consultant. They do all the legwork and research so you can focus on running your business. For additional tips and strategies, also check out Commercial Real Estate Explained on YouTube. It's a channel dedicated to helping business owners make informed decisions about their commercial real estate. Again, that's Commercial Real Estate Explained with a link in the show notes.